Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 4. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, first, we are presently experiencing a thunderstorm so it is possible you may hear some thunder in the background. Unfortunately, I can't fix that, so it may add a nice quality to the overall recording. Secondly, last week, we posted our podcast much later than we normally do. We upgraded our 3G cell phone to a 5G cell phone. The required setup and privacy setup was excruciatingly difficult, and time-consuming. All I want, all I need, is a simple cell phone for emergency use when not at home, and the car cannot be driven for any reason. That is all a cell phone is to me, since pay phones no longer exist. So, setting that cell phone up was a challenge, to say the least. But, it is now done. So, with that said, we're moving on. In our last episode, The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 3, April 3rd, we found that one of the effects produced by religion is to produce respect for superiors. Yet, today, here in America, we have seen that degree of respect lost in how people have responded to superiors and authorities. Barnes spoke of this, meaning men and women alike, when he said, when men are self-willed and when they purpose to give indulgence to corrupt propensities, it is natural for them to dislike all government. Accordingly, it is by no means an infrequent effect of certain forms of error to lead men to speak disrespectfully of those in authority and to attempt to throw off all the restraints of law. It is a very certain indication that men hold wrong opinions when they show disrespect to those in authority and despise the restraints of law. Men of this description become impatient of the government of God himself and seek to throw off all authority and to live in. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled The False Teacher's Ungodly Lifestyle, Part 3. Today, our scripture reads, They're always looking for an adulterous woman. They can't stop looking for sin as they seduce people who aren't sure of what they believe. Their minds are focused on their greed. They are cursed. These false teachers have left the straight path and wandered off to follow the path of Balaam, son of Beor, 
Balaam loved what his wrongdoing earned him, but he was convicted for his evil. A donkey, which normally can't talk, spoke with a human voice and wouldn't allow the prophet to continue his insanity. These men are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm, for whom the utter depths of darkness have been reserved. For by speaking high-sounding but empty words, they are able to entice with fleshly desires and with debauchery people who have just escaped from those who reside in error. Although these false teachers promise such people freedom, they themselves are enslaved to immorality. For whatever a person succumbs to, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the filthy things of the world through the rich knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again get entangled in them and succumb to them, their last state has become worse for them than their first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than, having known it, to turn back from the holy commandment that had been delivered to them. They are illustrations of this true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, after washing herself, wallows in the mire. From Free Version of New English Translation with Limited Notes, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 14-22. through 22. I included verses 14 through 16 for the complete thought. We will continue starting in verse 17. Please note that Peter is not mincing his words. He is strong and forceful in his words found here. Let us get into it and see what Peter is saying. It is interesting to see that the book of Jude parallels what Peter is saying. So, this was not said once. Jude also gives us a one-chapter book that is not flattering when he wrote it. He was strong and direct to the point in such a way that Peter would seem a bit kinder in his strong approach. Verse 17 opens this examination, which read, These men are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm for whom the utter depths of darkness have been reserved. By contrast, Jude says, These men are dangerous reefs at your love fests, feasting without reverence, feeding only themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by the winds, autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, uprooted, wild sea waves, spewing out the foam of their shame. Wayward stars, for whom the other depths of eternal darkness have been reserved. From Jude chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Studying Jude further, the word used by Peter, however, is not exactly the same as that used here. The word used by Jude means, properly, a rock by or in the sea, a cliff, 
etc. It may either be a rock by the sea against which vessels may be wrecked, or a hidden rock in the sea on which they may be stranded at an unexpected moment. The idea here seems to be not that they were spots and blemishes in their sacred feasts, but that they were like hidden rocks to the mariner. As those rocks were the cause of shipwreck, so these false teachers caused others to make shipwreck of their faith. They were as dangerous in the church as hidden rocks are in the ocean. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. Now, studying comments on our present passage in Peter. Quote, Jude, chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, employs several other epithets to describe the same class of persons. The language employed both by Peter and Jude is singularly terse, pointed, and emphatic. Nothing to an Oriental mind would be more expressive than to say of professed religious teachers that they were wells without water. It was always a sad disappointment to a traveler in the hot sands of the desert to come to a well where it was expected that water might be found and to find it dry. It only aggravated the trials of the thirsty and weary traveler. Such were these religious teachers in a world not inaptly compared in regard to its real comforts to the wastes and sands of the desert. They would only grievously disappoint the expectations of all those who were seeking for the refreshing influences of the truths of the gospel. There are many such teachers in the world. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. Now, quite a bit has been said already just looking at verse 17. Let's break this down to understand what is being said here. First, Barnes said, nothing to an oriental mind would be more expressive than to say of professed religious teachers that they were wells without water. This is an example used by Barnes and is not an insult. In the day Barnes wrote this commentary, it served as a clear example to the reader. What Barnes meant when he wrote it is lost to the modern disassociated mind of those today. So, the idea here is to demonstrate just how strongly Peter was speaking to his audience, either in voice or in writing. Also, as was demonstrated, Jude was even more terse. So, take the time you need to fully understand what is being said outside your modern-day mental box. Looking further, we read, It may either be a rock by the sea against which vessels may be wrecked, or a hidden rock in the sea on which they may be stranded at an unexpected moment. The idea here seems to be 
not that they were spots and blemishes in their sacred feasts, but that they were like hidden rocks to the mariner. Such hidden rocks cause a ship to be stranded at an unexpected moment. You must remember, sonar and radar is historically new to ship navigation over the greater time span of biblical yesterday to our present day. With sonar, one can see below the waterline of the ship and see things like rocks and other obstacles. Radar allows one to see things above the waterline of the ship, including forthcoming weather events that might be problematic to proper ship operations. Note, that is the very simplest of definitions. However, in the biblical day, we are reading about neither ship sonar and radar existed. Therefore, sailing ships of the biblical day relied heavily on the experience of the ship's captain. Hence, one could be stranded in the slightest, unsuspecting moment. Depending on conditions, the ship could be crushed on the rocks it became lodged on. This is why this is a great example to both the listener and reader of any day in time. Peter's audience especially would have had the understanding required of this oral or written example which, in the day, made perfect sense. Now, the bottom line this commentary example is making, as those rocks were the cause of shipwreck, so these false teachers caused others to make shipwreck of their faith. They were as dangerous in the church as hidden rocks are in the ocean. That should make perfect sense to you with the previous explanation. False teachers are the hidden rocks in the ocean or sailing waters of our faith. The ship is the born-again Christian who runs aground on the hidden rocks of the false teachers. This is a great demise to the church of believers. Seeing the spiritual rocks in the ocean of our faith is not easy. One needs to be under a skilled captain, who today we call pastor, who knows the waters we sail on in our faith. This is the core of this example. Barnes tells us further, the language employed both by Peter and Jude is singularly terse, pointed, and emphatic. That means that Peter and Jude want, more than anything, for those hearing or reading their words to sit up and take strong notice of what they have to say. Now, Barnes gives us the bottom line here also. In a world not inaptly compared in regard to its real comforts to the wastes and sands of the desert, they would only grievously disappoint the expectations of all those who were seeking for the refreshing influences of the truths of the gospel. To make better sense of the two-point bottom line, let's read them as one thought. 
as those rocks were the cause of shipwreck, so these false teachers caused others to make shipwreck of their faith. They were as dangerous in the church as hidden rocks are in the ocean. In a world not inaptly compared, in regard to its real comforts, to the wastes and sands of the desert, they would only grievously disappoint the expectations of all those who were seeking for the refreshing influences of the truths of the gospel. For us today, this means false teachers cannot just ruin our faith, they can damage it much the same way a ship can be irrevocably damaged when hitting rocks, meaning very severe damage. Now, the problem comes when we need to identify how we allowed this damage to us to occur and repent. Repentance is the only way to see such issues through to a positive result that only Jesus can help us with. We need to ask for forgiveness, and the Bible is clear that he will grant that forgiveness as well as forgetting it. Commentary told us how we get lost this way. We all are honestly seeking for the refreshing influences of the truths of the gospel. This is exactly what false teachers deliberately exploit. They do this by a gradual descending teaching that strays gradually from the truth more and more. This is why it is so important to know your Bible so you can know for yourself when a false teacher is leading you away from the real truth. Using this example, this can be further explained this way. Clouds that are driven about by the wind and that send down no rain upon the earth. They promise rain only to be followed by disappointment. Substantially the same idea is conveyed by this as by the previous phrase. The sense is this. The cloud, as it rises, promises rain. The expectation of the farmer is excited that the thirsty earth is to be refreshed with needful showers. Instead of this, however, the wind gets into the cloud. It is driven about, and no rain falls, or it ends in a destructive tornado which sweeps everything before it. So of these religious teachers, instruction in regard to the way of salvation was expected from them, but instead of that, they disappointed the expectations of those who were desirous of knowing the way of life, and their doctrines only tended to destroy. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. For by speaking, high-sounding but empty words, they are able to entice with fleshly desires and with debauchery people who have just escaped from those who reside in error. From 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Can you see how newly saved people can be pulled back into what they want to leave? 
some people make a sincere affirmation of Christ, only to be pulled back into their old life of sin. They are told that they are receiving truth when in fact it is all ill-willed lies from true false teachers. When they make pretensions to wisdom and learning, or seem to attach great importance to what they say, and urge it in a pompous and positive manner. Truth is simple, and delights in simple statements. It expects to make its way by its own intrinsic force, and is willing to pass for what it is worth. Error is noisy and declamatory, meaning rhetoric, merely rhetorical, empty and bombastic, and hopes to succeed by substituting sound for sense, and by such tones and arts as shall induce men to believe that what is said is true when it is known by the speaker to be false. It means that they make use of deceitful arts to allure, ensnare, or beguile others. The means which it is here said they employed were the lusts of the flesh, that is, they promised unlimited indulgence to the carnal appetites, or taught such doctrines that their followers would feel themselves free to give unrestrained liberty to such propensities. This has been quite a common method in the world of inducing men to embrace false doctrines. The meaning here is that they made use of every variety of lascivious arts to beguile others under religious pretenses. This has been often done in the world, for religion has been abused to give seducers access to the confidence of the innocent, only that they might betray and ruin them. It is right that for all such, the mist of darkness should be reserved forever. And if there were not a place of punishment prepared for such men, there would be defect in the moral administration of the universe. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Barnes said a lot, but Let's focus on two portions of the commentary in closing. Truth is simple and delights in simple statements. It expects to make its way by its own intrinsic force and is willing to pass for what it is worth. Error is noisy and declamatory, meaning, again, rhetoric, merely rhetorical, empty and bombastic and hopes to succeed by substituting sound for sense, and by such tones and arts as shall induce men to believe that what is said is true when it is known by the speaker to be false. I have included the meaning of the word declamatory, so those who have never even heard of the word know what the commentator is saying. Again, whether Peter, Jude, or commentary, the words here are strong, to say the least. 
I think it is interesting that when one knows the meaning of what Scripture is truly saying, it takes on a whole new understanding of the real truth in our Bibles. With that said, notice what commentary said of those who speak as false teachers. Their error is noisy, merely rhetorical, empty, and bombastic. It strongly hopes and relies on such by substituting noise, rhetoric, emptiness, and bombastic tones and arts to induce men and women to believe what a false teacher, or false prophet for that matter, is saying as true when in fact it is not. Knowing our Bibles is one way we know the difference. That means, at the very least, we need to study our Bibles on our own and under the teachings of a godly pastor and or teacher. It means that they make use of deceitful arts to allure, ensnare, or beguile others. The means which it is here said they employed were the lusts of the flesh, that is, they promised unlimited indulgence to the carnal appetites, or taught such doctrines that their followers would feel themselves free to give unrestrained liberty to such propensities. This has been quite a common method in the world of inducing men to embrace false doctrines. The meaning here is that they made use of every variety of lascivious arts to beguile others under religious pretenses. This has been often done in the world, for religion has been abused to give seducers access to the confidence of the innocent only that they might betray and ruin them. This is all firmed up, if it is not already in your mind, with the last verses which read, Although these false teachers promise such people freedom, they themselves are enslaved to immorality, for whatever a person succumbs to, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the filthy things of the world through the rich knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they again get entangled in them and succumb to them, their last state has become worse for them than their first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than, having known it, to turn back from the holy commandment that had been delivered to them. They are illustrations of the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing herself, wallows in the mire. Next week, we start to look at the damage a false teacher can do in our episode title, The False Teacher's Denial of the Lord's Return, Part 1. What does Peter mean when he says, In the last days, blatant scoffers will come, being propelled by their own evil urges, and saying, Where is his promised return? 
To find out more, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.